What does it take to become a champion? Sure, you need to have talent and drive and access to the sport you want to play. But it also takes some luck right from birth. If you don't have a supportive family with the means and desire to help you on the right path, your road is going to be a lot tougher. Gwen Jorgensen became the United States' first Olympic gold medalist in the triathlon in 2016, but her path to Rio was not a traditional one. She went through a lot of ups and downs, and she wants to help the young athletes that come up behind her by learning from her mistakes and learning what she did right. But as great of an athlete as Gwen is, she knew that the talent for writing a book belonged to others in her family. Her mom, Nancy, and her sister, Elizabeth, are both teachers and writers. So the three of them set off to write a guide aimed for young girls who are inspired by Gwen's story and want to learn from the best. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. In this episode, Nancy and Liz Jorgensen tell Gwen's story and teach some of the lessons in their new guidebook. You'll learn how to raise a champion athlete, how goal setting can be transformational for athletes of all ages, and how to balance a high-performance lifestyle while being a young athlete. If you're a fan of Gwen's, you know that she just had a baby, so she didn't join us for this one, but I hope to have her on sometime in the future. Don't forget to stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode for another Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. And now, here's my conversation with Nancy and Elizabeth Jorkinson. Welcome to The Planted Runner, Liz and Nancy. Thank you for having us. Good to see you. So first of all, we have to say congratulations on the new grandbaby. How is George? Well, I was just there in, in Boulder, Colorado visiting, and he is he's just a wonderful little baby. He's cute and very um, well. Uh, he's got a good disposition. He's easygoing and fun to take care of. Good, good. Second babies can be like that. The first one, I don't know so much. Mine was tough, <laughs> but the second baby, no problem, no problem. So uh, Nancy, you are you are the mom of a gold Olympic medalist. So I'm sure you get asked all the time, how do you raise a champion? I do get asked that. And what I, um, what I really think is that we raised an Olympic champion by not trying to raise an Olympic champion. Mm. We allowed Gwen to find the things that she loved, and she decided early on that was swimming. And we supported her, but, um, and my husband was a, um, he was a referee at the pool. But it was never anything where we thought we should push her or encourage her to do any more than she just wanted to do. And I think it was part of that freedom for her to find what she really loved and to pursue it. And then to have us on the other end, encouraging and yet 
also making sure that her life was balanced and making sure that she did her academics and um, she played violin. And um, I, I think it's that combination of encouragement plus discipline on the other side and setting some limits that allowed her to, to do what she did. Yeah, because, you know, we think of a, a stereotypical mom of uh, an athlete or parents of an athlete as just pushing, pushing, pushing the tiger mom, you know, so that was never a, a part of how you raised her. It really wasn't at the time. She was a pretty good swimmer and she was probably the best in our city for her age, but she wasn't winning state championships. She wasn't going to national meets. There was no reason for us to think that she was on an Olympic path. And we were kind of the opposite of those pushy parents. Um, we volunteered to do work when the team needed us, but we just never thought that that was in the future for our family. And so we never we never really pushed it. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Elizabeth, you know, Gwen is your sister and her rise is not really what you would expect. She didn't take the traditional path to Olympic glory. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, it happened so slowly and we never, like mom said, saw it coming. She, out of high school, really wanted to swim and was recruited by colleges to mostly run some swim, but they mostly wanted her to run. And like mom was saying, her passion was swimming. And so she did that in, in college and was ended up not being a very good collegiate swimmer, ended up switching to track and field. And, you know, along the way, I just continued to support her and cheer her on and go to her different events, be that swimming or track and field or cross country. Um, and then, you know, when she graduated from college, we thought her athletic career was pretty much over. She might do some 5Ks or some 10Ks, but I didn't anticipate that she would continue to compete. And that's when Team USA found her and said, we think you could be a really good triathlete. And no one in our family really knew much about triathlon. Gwen thought they were recruiting her for Ironman. And she was <laughs> like, no, don't want to do it. Like, this is not for me. And Team USA had to say, you know, no, this is Olympic distance and we'll help you with a coach and we'll help you with a bike. And, you know, there too, it happened so slowly. She said, I think I'm going to try this. And then she did. And then we're at, we were at these little tiny triathlons and then just it kept going and going and going and she got better and better and better and ended up quitting her job and going to the first Olympics and then the second. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the time Rio came around in 2016, she was absolutely dominating the sport. Like it's, you know, if, if you look at it, it seems kind of like she came out of nowhere. So like, I mean, I know you said it, it happened very gradually, but I, I feel like there's gotta be something more than that. Well, from an outsider's perspective, I think it does look like she came out of nowhere, but she had been working her whole life up until this point, not knowing what she was working for. She didn't know she was going to be a triathlete, but she had been swimming since she was teeny tiny. And then she ran in high school and ran in college and then picked up the bike. And it, you know, you wouldn't think that she would be that good at triathlon, but it was all those little things that she did for years that added up to her being great. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some studies where where kids who are allowed to do multi sports actually end up being better than the kid who is like single tracked into one sport. So obviously, Nancy, this is exactly what happened with Gwen, right? 
Right, exactly. And I think we can even broaden that to not only multi-sport, but multi-activity. And Gwen will tell you now, I think, that, you know, I insisted that she play violin until she was a senior in high school. And she was great at it. <laughs> she did not enjoy it. She, we would be in the car on the way to an orchestra rehearsal, and she'd say, Mom, if you're going to make me go to this orchestra rehearsal, then you have to take me down to the Y to make up my swim session. But... As much as she wanted to be somewhere else instead of at orchestra, she she had it in her personality that if she was going to do something, she was going to do it well. And so mm -hmm. she developed this habit of of discipline and applying herself to the best of her ability and and just excelling whenever she could. And and I'm sure there were many things in triathlon that she did not enjoy doing. But she had that training to do it, even if she didn't enjoy it, knowing that she would get something out of it and she would improve. And and so I think not I, I personally believe it was um, this broad education of music and academics and sport that contributed to that that excellence in sport. Mm, that's super interesting. So the two of you wrote a book. I have it here, so I'll hold it up. There it is. <laughs> All about Gwen and her journey. Um, she is the USA's first Olympic gold medal triathlete, which is pretty amazing. So why did the two of you want to write this book? Gwen really wanted us to write this book. And, you know, she being an athlete, not necessarily a writer, she knew that mom and I had some skills that she could tap into. And she said, you know, I think that there's something that kids, young adults, middle grade students could really learn from in my story and my setbacks and the tools that I picked up along the way. And so she came to us with this proposal and we said, sure, we can try it and worked collaboratively with um, the both of us to put it together. Yeah. So this is mainly aimed towards young girls, mi middle school age. So uh, so that's like 10 to 14, probably somewhere in that neighborhood. Why did you feel like that demographic was um, what you wanted to go for instead of just writing just a normal biography? Um, when we first looked at this book, we, we did some research on other books that were on the shelves and we found that there there was this big hole um, on the shelves for middle grade kids about female sports heroes. And, um, you know, there's a, there are many more books about male sports figures, um, but we wanted a, um, an example for a young girl that would go and look for a biography about a, about a sport and find somebody that, that she could say, well, that might be me. Um, you know, another female in a sport that maybe isn't super popular, um, but something that she could identify with. Okay. And mom and I are both teachers. And so we know the power of literature and how, you know, a young person really can read a story and see themselves in that person and think, well, if Gwen, just this ordinary girl from the Midwest can do it, maybe I can too. And so I think, you know, that was also part of the hope. And Gwen, of course, she has the Gwen Jorgensen Scholarship Fund and is really into giving back to young people. And so it just, you know, it fit with all of our passions. Good, good. So, you know, one thing you don't shy away from is some of the disappointments that Gwen faced. Um, can you talk about that, and, or at least some of those, and how she overcame them? 
I think that's another misconception. Like you were saying, it appears that she just came out of nowhere and just ran her way right up to the to the gold medal. But there were a lot of setbacks. Um, you know, in in high school, she didn't make the national team. And then in college, when she was swimming, the coaches kind of came to her and said after her sophomore year, you know, maybe you've reached your potential here. And and then in um, when she was running in college, she really didn't have the times to make a professional team like she had envisioned. And there were major setbacks along the way. Um, and I think part of what got her over those past those was that she was willing to shift focus and she was willing to listen to coaches and other people in her life who maybe recognized a talent that she hadn't. And so, you know, there's this high school coach who when he when he saw her running, she was out running just as a, a cross training for swimming. He looked at her and he said, you're a runner. You've got the form. You could really do well as a runner. And she didn't listen to him at first, but eventually <laughs> she came back to that. And in college, um, he approached her again and said, you know, I've, I've heard your swimming career is maybe kind of winding down. Why don't you go back to running? She listened to him. And then when USA Triathlon came to her and said, you could be a triathlete, something she'd never heard of, she was willing to listen and say, well, maybe you see something in me that that I haven't discovered yet. And so I think along the way, she was open to ideas, to suggestions, to a new path. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've actually met Gwen briefly in person. Uh, I live in Asheville, North Carolina, and she was shopping around for places to live and she was on a group run. And I was surprised at how small she actually is in person because <laughs> she seems so larger than life on TV and she's just so dominant. And she, you know, honestly, she does look like a stereotypical professional runner. So um, that's interesting to me. Um, so you know, and the other part of the book is not just about getting over the disappointments, but goal setting. So goal setting is something we we hope to teach our children and ourselves. I think there's a lot of adults that could use some help with this. So um, can you talk about the importance of goal setting and, and how the book uh, teaches young girls how to do this? Yeah, the book really focuses on process goals, not outcome goals. And that can be really difficult, I think, for any of us to yes. figure out, like, what's the difference? But we try to spell it out um, for the young reader and also give them some activities or some exercises that they can use uh, to figure out what the process goal for their particular I don't know, sport or activity would be. Um, and, you know, it could be athletic, but it doesn't have to be. It could be a musical pursuit or an academic pursuit. Um, and that's something, you know, that Gwen too really struggled with at the beginning, setting outcome goals that she couldn't control. You know, you say you want to be the gold medalist. Well, you, you can't control that, but what you can control the little things that you do along the way. Um, and then how do you use the mentors that you have to help identify um, and then try to reach those. And then along the way, taking a step back and saying, how am I doing? What am I doing well? What could I change? And then seeking out people who can help hold you accountable to making those changes. Yeah. Cause that Oh, go ahead, Nancy. I was just going to say, I think that relates back to your other question about disappointment, that um, when she had these process goals and, you know, she didn't do well in a race, she didn't say, um, 
you know, she didn't say, well, I didn't win that race. She could go back and say, okay, what are my real goals? My real goal was not maybe to win every race, but to improve my form in the run or to increase my endurance on the hills and the bike. And she could always go back to what is your goal really, aside from winning a race? We'll get back to the conversation in just a minute. But first, did you know that I've written a book? Yep. The Planted Runner, Running Your Best with Plant-Based Nutrition will officially be out in January. If you're a fan of my work, this is the best way to get everything I teach about running and plant-based nutrition all in one place. It's not currently available for pre-orders on Amazon for some reason right now, but you can reserve your copy now at theplantedrunner.com book. Pre-orders are incredibly helpful to gauge demand and let the robots who create those bestseller lists know which books to prioritize. So get yourself a little something at theplantedrunner.com slash book. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures. Yeah, because Gwen's pretty famous for making some pretty big public goals, <laughs> and she hasn't achieved everything she said she is going to achieve. But she's she's um, not shy to put them out in public, which I think is pretty scary. You know, I think most people would say that, but she just says, "I'm going to be the gold medalist," and <laughs> no matter what other people say. So, where did that come from? Well, see, and I've said to her that people think that she's this risk taker and she would say, no, I'm very risk averse. It looks like it's this big, scary thing, but for her, it helps hold her accountable. If I say mm -hmm. I want to win the gold medal in the marathon well, and then I get injured and then I have to have surgery, now what? Well, now you're honest about it and you say, I still have this goal out there, but I'm shifting. And right now I can't focus on winning the gold medal in the marathon. Now I have to focus on recovery or therapy or whatever that looks like. And I think that that also helps other people see that you can set a big goal and not achieve it. And your life goes on. You can still have a good day. You can still enjoy yourself um, by focusing on the process. Mm-hmm. Nancy, did you want to add to that? Elizabeth took the words right out of my mouth was that, you know, Gwen, <laughs> Gwen does, she does that to hold herself accountable, but then also to show that athletes are real people and you can have goals and, and maybe not achieve every single goal, but it, you know, it's, it, it benefits you just to, to, to set high, high sights. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking too, like along the way, as the goal shifts, like you never know where you're going to end up in life. But if you surround yourself with these people who are pushing you every day, and if you have your process goals and your coach, like good things are going to happen, even if you don't achieve that big goal that you put out there on social media. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, 
aiming high and having big goals, obviously that's that's essential part of being a champion. You know, the people who are at the the top level, they are perfectionists in some sense. Um, they do things over and over and over and over again until they get it right. And, you know, in our society, we value that. We praise them for doing that. But yet taken too far, it can certainly be a hindrance and, you know, affect people negatively. So have you seen any of that happening in Gwen's life? Like you said, she puts everything she can into her goal. Um, I'm very social and I will want to go out with friends or have a cocktail or indulge <laughs> in some tres leches cake or, and Gwen won't do those things. You know, she's very strict in terms of her bedtime routine or her sleep schedule. And, you know, I think from my perspective, I might say, well, she's missing out on life and all of those things, like she could be hanging out with friends and whatever. Um, but she wouldn't say that. She would say she's happier and she's more, I don't know, she's just a better person when she's chasing those goals. Mm -hmm. I also think yeah. she's found a pretty good balance, though, between um, having a family. You know, she's got two kids now and still trying to train. And um, I know she's wanted to be a good example for other women to have that opportunity to combine family life with professional life. And so, yes, she's focused on her professional goal, but she's a great mom. She spends so much time playing with Stanley and, you know, a newborn. I mean, just nursing a newborn alone is a full-time job, I think. Sure. Um, so she's, you know, I think she has um, found a way to incorporate that kind of balance. And yeah. she'll say, too, that her social life is her athletics. Like on her long runs, that's her time to catch up with her friends. Same with, you know, time at the pool. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, I'm sure she's not on the sleep schedule right now that she'd like to be with a newborn. <laughs> so hopefully she's recovering well. <laughs> I think so. And um, George is settling in. She said he slept last night for five hour stretches with kind of one wake up in the middle of the night for a feeding. But he's, you know, just when she she was frustrated because it didn't seem to be happening. He was waking up every hour and a half or two hours. And and then just when she thought he was never going to sleep through the night, then he had this long stretch of hours. And so um, I remember those days It you're exhausted all the time. Um, I can't even imagine what it's like to go out on a run when you're exhausted from <laughs> feeding a baby. But um, no, but, you know, the, the she she never allows the kids to suffer um, because of, you know, her training. She always and I think that's the priority right now. Good, good. Well, nutrition is a topic that uh, you bring up in the book as well. And you have some examples of what Gwen eats, some recipes, things like that. So, you know, even if you're not raising an athlete, obviously nutrition is an important topic for all parents. So how do we help our kids, especially if they're student athletes, how do we help them navigate the whole nutrition, you know, pitfalls? That's a good question. Um, Gwen always tended to be um, really tall and thin and just kind of her her natural genetic makeup was to be to be that way. And then add in two a days for swimming in high school. And she actually had a problem putting as enough weight on. Um, you know, when when we took her to um, some of the, the major colleges that were recruiting her for swimming, um, 
those women were just bigger than she was and they were built like swimmers. They had the broad shoulders and, um, and Gwen just never looked like that. So in, you know, in our house, it was always kind of trying to get enough calories into her, um, so that she had the energy to run. Um, and I, you know, I think though, we, um, kind of our approach to nutrition was sort of the same as our approach to her pursuit of this sport. Um, I offered a lot of choices and we always had cookies if they wanted it for dessert and, you know, never, never anything that wasn't allowed in the house. We probably had bags of chips laying around too. Um, and I think just offering good nutrition with plenty of choices um, is the best a parent can do. You involved us a lot in meal prep, in cooking, and it was made to be an adventure and something fun. You know, so you'd you'd pull out these ingredients that we have. Okay, we have kale and we have broccoli and we have mushrooms. What could we do with this? Well, we could make maybe a quesadilla or could we put those ingredients on a pizza or what about a stir fry or, you know, and so we would we would brainstorm together as a family all of these options that we could make with what we had. And then mom would encourage us to help. And everyone had their own little station and Gwen would be chopping and I would be washing and dad would be doing something else, you know, and the the same with all of the meals, our friends always wanted to come over because mom had tons of food and she would just put it, like she said, all out. And then whatever you want, you could have. But I do remember there being a lot more healthy options. We always had breads. You're a big baker. Um, and so there were breads and cakes and pies and cookies. But I don't really remember there being a lot of processed foods in the house like if it came in a box we probably didn't have it um but we were involved in the daily making of it which i think in turn made me really love food and love the process of sitting down with a family and enjoying it and talking about it we are mm. pat gwen's husband he, he always says like we can't even finish one meal before we're talking about what we're going to eat at the next meal <laughs> that's great i i love that advice i think that's um absolutely key. As a parent myself, you know, I try to involve my kids. I definitely um, prioritize having dinner together as much as possible every single night. But it's also, you know, we forget that food can be fun. You know, it's not just fuel. And that involving kids and not just serving them <laughs> is really important to their relationship to food. I, th I think that's great. And Gwen does it now with Stan. He, oh my gosh, there's this YouTube video of him making oats when he's, what, he couldn't be more than, he's not even two in that video. And he's talking about like salt and cinnamon. And it's just, it's so cute to see how Gwen's involving her kids now too. And I, I was just there and um, Patrick knows that when I'm in the house, he can request a pie. And so by the end of the time, I think I was there 10 days and I made four pies. But oh my the, goodness. the first one was a pumpkin pie. And at first, Stanley didn't want to help me. I said, come on, Stan, help me. And he said, no, I'm, I'm busy playing with my trucks. But then I got out the mixer and turned it on. And he said, oh, well, that's what I'm really good at. So he hopped right over on his, um, his little step stool and manned that mixer with the two beaters and just loved to turn it on full blast. And, um, and so he, he mixed up our pumpkin pie for us. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, a couple of uh, neat things in the book is Gwen writes letters back to herself. She writes letters t 
talking to her kid self from adult Gwen, which I think is a really sweet exercise. Um, we always, you know, we, we think about having somebody from the future tell us where to go. And she is actually trying to do that um, for herself or for girls who relate to her. Um, why did you feel like this was an important, I'm, I'm, I'm sure this is probably Gwen's idea, but, um, how powerful is this? Why is this an important thing for young girls? Do you remember why we added those? You know, <laughs> we collaborated on this books, the three of us, and I get to the point where I cannot remember who wrote which sentence, <laughs> much less who came up with, with which idea. I think it might've been your idea, Elizabeth. And because See, and I thought we we had a beta reader. We had a, another young adult author who read our book, Lisa Weimer, and she had said, especially at the beginning, like, how can you engage the, the audience right away? And I think maybe it came out of that discussion. Um, but there too, right? Like, no matter what you do, you have this team that's around you, that supports you, that helps you along the way. But yeah, we did at some point get these letters in there. And I think because Elizabeth and I did a lot of the writing, it was a way to get Gwen's voice very immediately to the reader, just to have her um, her words directed right um, to the reader, but also then to her younger self. And um, I, I just I think looking back now, it was it was a good choice because it reveals not only what she was thinking as a child, but what she's thinking now as an adult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the book. Um, readers are encouraged to write to Gwen and Gwen is hoping that people will do that and just send the letter in a DM on Instagram and hopefully she'll be able to respond back to those uh, young readers. Perfect. I love that. I hope she does. And I'm sure she'll she'll put it all over social media when that happens. I think that's an absolutely great idea. So overall, what do you hope that young girls take away from this book? I think we want young girls to see that anybody anywhere has the possibility to do great things, but also that along the way um, there will be setbacks and maybe your ultimate outcome goal might not be what you achieve in the end, but that you will gain so much from the daily work and the discovery of what your potential is and all those talents that you might have hidden inside yourself. Um, if you explore that, you're going to be a winner in the end. I love that. Liz, do you have anything to add? Yeah, you know, I, as a little girl, was really into the Olympic Games and I still am very into professional sports. And for me, I hope people get like an inside glimpse as to how do you get there? Like you see them standing on the podium with the gold medal around their neck. But what came before? Um, I love like reality TV and documentaries. And so I hope that this is for some little kid, you know, their own version of that reality TV where they can zoom in and see her her life and how, how she got where she is. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of great stories and pictures of Gwen as a little girl. So um, definitely people who are fans are going to love this. And it's, you know, a perfect gift for a, a little athlete in your life, I'm sure, this time of year. So that's great. So what's next for you? New, Another new book, another chapter? <laughs> Well, we before this book, we had written a family memoir called Go Gwen Go, A Family's Journey to Olympic Gold. And so um, 
we, you know, we've done the family memoir and now we've done the biography of Gwen. Um, Elizabeth has written a couple of education books recently. Um, I don't know what's next. I'm not sure. Well, we're headed to some classrooms, to some libraries. Uh, we have like an educator guide that accompanies the book. And so the hope is that we can talk to some school groups, talk to some sport teams, um, engage them with the text in some creative ways. We have some writing exercises, some different things that they can try. Um, so we're headed around, you know, the area to do that. We're also offering those virtually. If somebody's interested, um, they can reach out to us and we can book it and make that happen for, you know, a sport team anywhere or classroom group. I love that idea. That is so cool that to be able to actually reach the girls on the teams where they're at and and do some of the exercises from the book. I think that's amazing. So where can people reach out? Where can listeners connect with you? We've got some websites. Uh, I'm LizJorgensen.Weebly.com. Um, is Go ahead. I think it's nancyjorgensen.weebly.com. I'm very active on Twitter at Liza Joe, L-Y-Z-A-J-O. I'm sure you can drop all of this into the show notes. I will. Um, and then you were mentioning for, it's a good idea for a holiday gift. And we also have a bookstore who's selling signed copies from Gwen, Ooh. Mom, and my signature are all on the books. And so you can put that in the show notes as well if people are interested in signed copies. Yes, absolutely. That will all be available in the show notes. Most of the people who listen to this show are on the run right now, so they don't take notes. <laughs> so um, we'll definitely have all of that for them to refer to later. Well, this has been fun, Nancy and Liz. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and give us a sneak peek into what it took to build a champion and and you know what what is going on in her life now. So um, it's been super fun. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is about comparison, but not in a negative way. Human beings are wired to be competitive. We are social animals that use comparison to learn where our place is in the world. We are often taught to run our own race or don't compare ourselves to others, but that goes against our very nature. Instead, we can use comparison to understand ourselves better and find out what we really want. For example, if you're comparing yourself to a faster runner, it's not really about the other person. It's because you desire to be faster. So instead of directing negativity towards the other person or even towards yourself, use your comparison to spark action towards working for what you desire rather than letting it be the thief of joy. Thank you so much for listening to the Planted Runner podcast. This episode is audio only, but we'll be back on YouTube and in your ears in the new year. We are going to be taking a one week podcast break for the holidays and we will return on January 5th with my interview with the amazing Lauren Fleshman. So be sure to subscribe on YouTube now so you don't miss it. The ability for me to make this show absolutely depends on the amount of listens, downloads, reviews on Apple Podcasts, and ratings on Spotify. So if you have already reviewed, thank you. If not, please take a moment after your run today to give it five stars. Have a great run today. 
There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.